Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner, joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll hear from Sweden's William Eklund, who could wind up with the Red Wings with a sixth overall pick in the NHL draft in three weeks. And we'll also hear from the Red Wings' new assistant coach, Alex Tangay, as well as Red Wings defenseman Mark Stahl. But first, Ted, the Stanley Cup final, the Lightning, the defending champions, are halfway home to back-to-back titles. They're up 2 nothing after last night's 3-1 to win in Game 2. Game 3 and 4 are back in Montreal Friday and Monday. Do you think they'll be coming back to Tampa Bay for a game five on Wednesday? What do you think the odds are of a sweep? Or do you think we're still going to be able to have a longer series? I tell you, Mark, I I don't know what you think, but I can't see this series lasting more than five games. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I agree, Ted. This Tampa Bay team, we've talked about them for a long time. They were built by Steve Eiserman, Pat Verbeek, and Julian Brisebois, fine-tuned by Brisebois with Eiserman and Verbeek, of course, coming to Detroit. But could you see this Lightning team, Ted, perhaps be the first team, if they win two more games, and they will likely win two more games and win their second straight cup, but can you see right. them Can you see them becoming the first team since the Islanders, those dynasty teams in the 80s, to win three straight cups without getting too far ahead? But certainly, the way this team has been built by Eiserman, Brisebois has, of course – made the team even better. What are your thoughts about that, how good this team is? I tell you, my friend, I, I, all of a sudden, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, they're going to lose from everything I've read and heard. They're going to lose two mm-hmm. regulars out of the lineup because of their salary cap issues. So you figure there's been much chatter about Tyler Johnson. But at this point, frankly, mm-hmm a third or fourth line extra at this point, and you don't lose too much because you have a couple of young kids who are probably could take his place. That Whoever that second prominent player will be, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, do you somehow trade an Alex Kalorn or Andre Palat? That would hurt them. I mean, that would hurt their depth, but, boy, that's even with – they still have so many – good parts to that lineup. And they also have a couple of unrestricted unrestricted free agents. I believe it's both Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman. Mm-hmm. So yes. there's, there's a lot of work to mark. There's no question about it, but boy, oh boy, their star pieces are still at an age where they can be and will be dynamic players. And it's as deep a roster as we've seen in the NHL in quite some time. They've really played well these playoffs. I mean, and specifically these first two games against Montreal controlled large facets of the game. I mean, Vasilevsky had to be really good last night, but and boy, Montreal made two two mistakes, yeah, turnovers, mistakes that resulted in goals. But 
No, full marks. This Tampa roster has been playing really, really well. And it was a great series against the Islanders. They were very, they were tested, but it came through out of, came through of it. And I think, yeah, I think we both agree they'll win two more games in this series fairly easily. And we're heading into next year. Yeah, I'm sure their roster will look a little different, but it's going to take a heck of an effort from another team to beat this Tampa team next year. Ted, what about the Canadians? In Monday's paper, you featured Canadians defenseman Jeff Petrie, who most fans know. His father pitched for the Tigers in 1984 when they won the World Series. Jeff Petrie, hard to believe, Ted. He's now 33 and in his 12th NHL season. And with that defense with Shea Weber, Ben Sherrod, and Joel Edmondson, four big, strong defensemen, similar to the Islanders that we talked about with Pellick, Pollock, and Mayfield, and, of course, with the Lightning, with Hedman and McDonough, with Sergachev and the size, with Chernak. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the Canadians and also this trend, which some teams sort of overanalyze and say, well, maybe we need these big defensemen like Marit Sider down the road and other defensemen like Mark Stahl, like that big, strong defense. But first, the Canadians, what they've accomplished, and also your thoughts about this trend right now, but the top teams with the biggest, strongest, best skating defenseman well as far as Montreal I mean obviously a big surprise I mean how many people felt (laughs) this team was even going to beat Toronto in the first round Mark I mean sure marks to them in that regard Carey Price has been at a level that you know Carey Price can reach and it's not a level a lot of other goaltenders can achieve boy oh boy they're coming back into the division next year i was talking about it mark with some with somebody the other day i mean mm-hmm. we tend to forget i mean next season the wings are going to be in there again with it with Montreal, toronto Tampa, boston florida just on the surface <laughs> look i don't think anybody expects <laughs> to make the playoffs next or expect the wings to make the playoffs next season. Boy, oh boy, there still could be a lot of losses coming in the near, in the future there with those five teams in the division. As a defense, yeah. I mean, it's, a trend. it's a trend. I mean, let's see if more teams, I think, still think a lot of teams seem to be looking for that young, for that smallish offensive defense, a la like a Makar or a Quinn Hughes or, but these, no, I mean, definitely Montreal is, it's got a little bit of age to it, but I still think they can be awfully competitive with it next year, next season. By the way, segueing again, mm-hmm. how about that Shea Weber for PK Subban trade? <laughs> you figure Montreal was so, I don't want to say ridiculed, but I mean, everybody was grading that trade in favor of Nashville at the time. Many years later now, Subban's what in his second spot. I think he's he has second. He's been traded just once to New Jersey, while Weber's become the captain of that team and still playing at a very high level. So, yeah, sometimes trades we need to be patient and analyze them down the line instead of a quick trigger. Let's move on now and hear from Alex Tangay, who uh, was named an assistant coach on Jeff Blaschel's coaching staff. Tangay, a former Colorado Avalanche forward, 
met the media on a Zoom call yesterday, and here he is, Tangay, answering a couple of your questions, Ted. Those years in Colorado at the fight of the rivalry? Well, you know, in, in all fairness, uh, Chris Draper called me a couple of days ago, and he said, you're the first one to cross that bridge. And <laughs> it was such a unique rivalry. I missed, like I told Chris, I said, I missed most of the fighting from the 90s. I was drafted in 98, started playing 99, so we played a few times afterwards in the playoffs. But always was such a special place to play at the Joe and, and the organization was so good and the team was so good, you know, made it, it made it interesting at that time. And certainly was a big arrival then, but I understood uh, at that time how much pride those guys had the, in the Red Wings organization. And I'm just a part to be glad to be a part of the organization now. I just last one. What excites you about this opportunity? Well, it, it's very interesting. It's, it's a big challenge and I was looking for an up an opportunity to get myself inside the door of the NHL and had a conversation with different peoples within the hockey circles. And, and when I started talking with Jeff, I had a real good interaction with him. We, we started talking about uh, strategies, what he was trying, what he was looking for. Uh, we share ideas and then had conversation with Steve and it was, it was a great conversation. I'm very happy to, to be a resource now for those guys and, and, become a part of their team and and try to help and and make this team uh grow and the young players to be better and 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 be more effective and and i'm just looking forward to uh working with those guys i had real good interaction in the meetings with them and it was um, something that i'm i'm really thankful that i'm a part of now thanks for this alex Thank you. Ted, what are your thoughts about Tangay, who went down to the minor leagues for a couple of years? He was on TSN, he was on TV, but he really wanted to coach. And he went down, and Jeff Blaschel said that really impressed him that he served time in the minor leagues before coming up. And now, and in today's paper, and on DetroitNews.com, your story talked about how Tangay has been brought in as well to try and fix the power play. What are your thoughts about that? I'll tell you, my friend, I think it's... Uh, I like the hire. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't really heard much about Alex Tangy as a coach, but seeing some of the statistics and hearing a couple of things from different people yesterday, seems to have a keen offensive mind. And I like it because it is a little bit out of the box. I mean, you know, just a couple of years of coaching. Like you said, he was an analyst for a few years. He still probably has that perspective of a player. So I think from that angle he's going to help too I, I don't have anything negative to say at all obviously I think he, I when you he, everything I've ever heard of him as a player was positive too so it'll be interesting to see but sounds like a good addition to this to this team time now we'll move on to our interview segment and today's guest is Swedish forward William Eklund joining us now is 18 year old William Eklund a left winger with Dew Garden of the Swedish Hockey League the highest ranked international skater in Central Scouting's final rankings and a possible draft choice of the Detroit Red Wings who will draft sixth overall in the 2021 NHL draft William Welcome to the podcast. Your your father, Christian Eklund, played 11 years with Dew Garden. You've played five years in the system. And your younger brother, Victor, is only 14 years old, but already playing with the under-16 team. Let's start with your father, Christian Eklund. What was it like watching your dad play for Stockholm's number one hockey team? Yeah, it was was just fun. Uh, like, he, he became an idol at, at uh, such a young age. And 
like just watching him every day just uh, just was fun so it got me influenced in in playing hockey william how big is dew garden as far as hockey in stockholm stockholm is the largest city in sweden almost a million people and dew garden has won more championships than any other team 16 but they haven't won since 2001 so you've seen your dad try and win a championship and you're trying to do it now but can you give our Detroit listeners a bit of a feel for just how big of a hockey program Dew Garden is in, in your city? Yeah, uh, it's a real, real big, big thing here. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say this is the biggest club in Sweden. Uh, so it's it's not just hockey from here. It's, uh, it's soccer too. So the soccer okay. team and the hockey team is the same name. So it's like, it's it's a culture here. Um, and, and the fans around it's it's an amazing atmosphere every game. William, it must be a real privilege then to play for this team, the team that your dad played for for so many years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talked to your uh, GM, uh, Joachim Eriksson, with the Dugarden team, and he played with your father many years ago. He said your father was a gritty, intense player. What sort of skills did he teach you and your uh, brother, Victor, William? Yeah, he was, he was really good at that. That's uh, helping us with the mental skill, like okay. going into all games with with the mentality to to work hard every game and give you a hundred percent of the day. And uh, because he was he was a really good player at that, at at forechecking and and uh, really grind grinded player. So he was really good at at just teaching us how how to be mental tough. You know, what did your dad teach you about skating, uh, William? Earlier this year, we had Matt Beneers on the podcast. He's the other top rated forward for the draft here at the University of Michigan. His dad stressed skating all the time in practice. And another person we had on the podcast was Jake Sanderson. He was taken fifth overall by the Senators the year before. His dad played in the NHL, Jeff Sanderson. And William, Jeff spent the first 20 minutes, he said, of every practice, just skating, learning how to work on your edges, back skating. What about your dad and what he taught you aside from those other mental skills? What did he teach you uh, and your brother Victor about skating? I have been, uh, yeah, he's been, my, my mom actually was a figure skater back in the days. So, yeah, uh, my dad and my uh, mom was, has, has learned me about skating. And then when you, when you were like being older, you get more, more and more help from, from different coaches uh, all around sure. Sweden. So, yeah, he's trying to work on that every day. Joachim Eriksson mentioned your mom was a figure skating coach. I wanted to ask you about that. So tell me a bit about your mom. And is, is, is she still teaching uh, figure skating? And, and, what, and what sort of things did she sort of uh, show you guys about skating? She were a figure skater for, for, for some years. And mm-hmm. she was like teaching me the, what do you call it, the main rules or the, the beginner level for sure. skaters. Yeah, and like the the quick turns and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, she was good at that. Now we've talked about your dad's influence on uh, you and your brother. Tell me a bit about your mom and how she's helped out with the two of you learning uh, to play hockey at this very high level now, where you're the number one ranked uh, international skater uh, by the Central Scouting. She's been a really good influence for me too. Uh, obviously, uh, it's been there every day and making you feel like home she's she's really good at just like my dad i like 
not talking too much hot, uh, on hockey at home. Sure. You're talking hockey all day, and then when you come home, you want to just talk something else, like how your day went and stuff like that. So I think she's she's really good at putting hockey outside sometimes and just, just talking about life. Yeah, just being a mom, right, William? That's good. Yeah, exactly. William, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, two things that happened this past season, COVID and the appendectomy? COVID, your coach, or at least the Swedish coach, who we met here in Plymouth, Coach Thomas Moten, he came into Plymouth a couple of years ago, William, along with your line mate, uh, Alexander Holtz and and, uh, Lucas Raymond. They were in here. But your coach came down with COVID as well as four or five other players, including yourself. So you couldn't play at the Worlds in Edmonton and Red Deer this year. Um, in fact, another player on that team was William Wallinder, another Red Wings draft pick. So when did you find out before the, the training camp? What, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was, it was tough there. Uh, just before, I think it was uh, one day late of sending in the results to to the, the tournament, uh, so I got the, the positive test uh, one day late, and couldn't make it to the to the World Juniors. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was really tough mentally. Did you have very many symptoms? Were you asymptomatic? Uh, what was what happened? No, it wasn't that bad. I had some fever and, and some yeah. headache, but nothing more. When did the appendectomy happen? When did you have your appendix out? Was that after the COVID? Yeah, it was after. It was like. Uh, in January, in the beginning of the year, uh, when I re- removed my appendix. And what were the symptoms there? Stomach issues, problems? What happened? Yeah, uh, stomach issues and some fever. And then we was uh, just going to operation. And what was the recovery like? Uh, I think it went pretty good. I was like going for two and a half, three weeks recovery and just trying to get back to, to the skates. But then it was like uh, being away from hockey for two, three weeks is not, not the easiest to step on the ice and, and feel uh, good again. So uh, that was hard. You felt like you well, it was getting better every day there. You know, William, uh, your GM, uh, Joaquin Erickson, said that your season was almost broken up into two or three parts. The, the first part uh, before COVID, before the Worlds, before the appendectomy, you guys got off to a really fast start with Alexander Holtz on your line and Jacob Josephson, the former NHLer with the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabres. Could you talk a bit about the beginning of the season when your club was coming off in the past two or three years and were getting better and better? You wound up in 10th this year and lost in the playoffs, but that, that was probably a pretty fast start and you guys had some pretty high hopes, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just in the beginning, uh, like my my coaches and and the players around me trusted me and, and Alex there and we got the the opportunity to play with uh, Josephson in the first line there mm-hmm. and it was just 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 an honor to play there and I think we got off to a pretty good start there and we had some some pretty good games there. Uh, I think our, our whole team was just feeling good. William, could you talk a bit about having a player like uh, Jacob Josephson? He's 30 years old. Uh, he played eight years in the NHL. A lot of players uh, who play over here, like a Matt Beneers, he's playing with players a little bit older than himself. And then there's younger players like a Mason McTavish, uh, the top-ranked North American 
skater who played with the Peterborough Peets where he's playing against players up to about age 20. It's really interesting when we hear Marit Sider and Lucas Raymond and Simon Edmondson talk about this unique system where you get to play with men and learn uh, really good habits on and off the ice. So maybe you could talk about Josephson and, and what he meant to, uh, to you and Alexander Holtz. Like you said, it's, it's a special honor to play with those guys who's, who's playing in the NHL. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like Josephson, he's such a good athlete uh, on ice and professional uh, off the ice too. Just watching him every day, just, just seeing how, how he prepares himself for games and practices and and stuff like that, uh, and and his leadership just that's just a good influence on on me and uh, Alex too. You know, it was interesting too, William. When I talked to your general manager, he said that as much as you learn from him, that when your GM Joachim Eriksson was in that role of mentorship, he learned a lot as well. Are you looking forward to perhaps coming back and playing on a line with him and, and maybe Alexander Holtz, if he doesn't stick with the New Jersey devils or their AHL farm team? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really enjoyed playing with them and yeah. they were re- real fun. Your GM talked, William, about COVID and the effect on the, the team's budget. They weren't sure of resources. He said they cut their payroll by 15% and that they had to, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't bring in as many high-priced players and they took a chance with some of the younger players. Did you get a chance that you guys were, um, not that there was a lot of pressure on you, but you had a great opportunity to help a team that had to find that balance, he said, between an older team and, and playing a lot of younger players. Yeah, I think I can speak for all the young guys here. Like it was just a just just a fun thing to to get the opportunity to play. And and every every young that's every young guy's dream is to go out to the men's team and and play. So I think it was a really good strategy from uh, from Jurgen there. Yeah, that was their strategy. And he said it was almost forced a little bit by COVID. And while there were a few benefits or silver linings, he said it did work out and that he's really hopeful for the uh, following season. Can you tell me a bit about Robert Olson, the coach, and what you learned from him and what you tried to, how you tried to improve your game and what they were, the coaching staff was, was trying to work on you, William? Yeah, Robert Purse was real good uh, from the beginning. He, he was trusting me from the beginning. Uh, Mm-hmm. And and our line there, uh, so we got much much ice time there, and that gives gives the player confidence, obviously. So, and just yeah, then the the whole team crew and or the coach crew, they were just like focusing on my my defensive positioning and uh, how I could work on that and the positioning in in the offensive zone too. To get in better space for, for for scoring opportunities. What was it like trying to learn about playing in your own zone, William? What uh, what really stood out? Because uh, you are trying to defend, but you also want to get on the attack. What sort of things did you sort of learn? Because the year before, you played twenty games under uh, under Robert Olson with Duke Garden, and you had just two assists. Uh, that's the previous year to this past season. With the under twenty team, you had. 36 points in 31 games but uh, what was that first year like when he was teaching you to uh to defend well and then like you said and then create in the offensive zone yeah like the first year was more like a learning process for me mm-hmm. just to get up there and just trying to do everything i could uh, every game to 
still stay in the lineup and so I can get get the chance to watch watch these players and how they how they act and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was really good at to play against men because you have to be even more focusing on on defensive part. The central scouting report on you, William, they talk about you being a speedy winger, competing hard, a good hockey sense, quickness, elite puck skills, a playmaker and a scorer, a scoring threat as well, and that you play bigger than your size. Is there anything you'd like to add to that that you feel that, uh, that you can accomplish? You've talked about Matthew Barzell being a player that you like to watch. Um, but how else would you describe your game aside from those things? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm a I'm a playmaker who mm-hmm. who's who's like to like open up my space for my teammates with with passing lanes and or uh, being a, a offensive threat in my shot and trying to beat the defenders in the corners with with my edge work, but also uh, being a hard working forward uh, all over the ice. William, are you a, a natural center playing wing right now? It may not matter to you. And your new coach, Barry Smith, a former Red Wings assistant coach, will be taking over uh, from Olsen uh, this year. But how about in your past, the position you played? And you are projected as a winger, but also you played a lot of center. So what, what, what position do you prefer or does it matter? I don't, I don't think I have a favorite right now. Mm-hmm. I like them both, so I can't can't really <laughs> choose on that one. Either way, as long as you're uh, you're getting a chance to play, and were you a bit surprised though, William, that you were able to in your second year there, uh, your name like Rookie of the Year, and you were able to produce. Uh, in fact, you scored 11 goals, which was the most that your dad ever scored in one year. I think the year you, <laughs> the year you were born, your dad. You know, the two-way gritty winger scored 11 goals. And you had 11 goals this year in 40 games. But did you anticipate, did you have enough confidence in yourself that given the chance you could produce at those uh, levels? I was was a little bit surprised, actually. Really? Yeah, but I I had a good feeling in juniors coming up to do do, uh, the men's team. But, like, it's it's just how how fast you can adapt to 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 the men's league. That mm-hmm. was the question, really. And and what is hard to adapt when you're playing against men who are like strong positionally? Marit Sider just talked about not just the uh, league that he played in in Germany, but also he was named, of course, like the top defenseman in your league. But just how like defensively sound teams are, defensive minded. What was the hardest part about adapting against it in this type of league? Like the defensive thinkness, like you have to think like. You're gonna stay in the right positioning to mm-hmm. to not give the, the opportunity a chance to to to, to score opponents a chance to score. Uh, so and uh, also it's a much faster game, like uh, from from being juniors and going up to to the men's. William, how about the bigger ice surface? I haven't asked these of any of the other uh, Swedish players we've talked to, Lucas Raymond. And Simon Edvinson, what uh, influence at all does that ice surface have? Yeah, it's 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 a big difference, I think, because in in, in North American rinks, you you get a little more like it's you had don't have that much time there. It's like you always have one a guy on you when you get the pass. So you have to like think what you're gonna do with the puck before you get sure. it. And you also get 
I think you're closer to the net when you get the puck in the offensive zone. So it's like a scoring chance every time. William, are you looking forward to playing in that type of system down the road? You'll probably be back next year to, to help you know, make a, a longer run in the playoffs. But are you really curious to see how you'll play uh, if everything falls into place down the road? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Joachim Erickson also and, and others have talked about the comparison to a former Red Wing who was here for 17 years, Henrik Zetterberg. And he said, uh, on one hand, it's not really fair to compare a player like that. He said there were some style um, uh, similarities between yourself and Henrik Zetterberg. He said, well, um, as far as being responsible in your own zone, he felt that was similar. Uh, your playmaking ability to produce points. But he also made the emphasis that, um, that he also felt you were a really good plus-minus player. And that while you wound up minus two, he said you had a fast start, and then there was COVID and the appendectomy, and then there was a good run at the end. He's, in fact, he thought you were one of the best players on the team um, you know, throughout the entire season, but at the end of the year. But I just wonder at all about the comparison to Zetterberg, uh, how big of a, a national hero or hockey player. He won two Stanley Cups here, Consmite Trophy. Uh, do you know much about Henrik Zetterberg? And, and what does that mean to you to be compared to, you know, one of the one of the best Red Wings and a potential and a future Hall of Famer? Yeah, that's yes, a big, <laughs> big comparison there. Uh, such a good player. And, yeah, like you said, a Swedish hero uh, in, in hockey. Uh, I know that he was in a in the Swedish era there in Detroit. So that's just a, a really cool comparison, and maybe I can see some some similarities, but I can't really compare myself to him. Just some quick questions about, um, and we thank you for your time about some of the Red Wing prospects playing in Sweden. Just some quick thoughts. Um, how about Marit Sider? What was it like playing against him this year? Yeah, really good player. He's just a uh, a good two-way defenseman who can like skate and be he's really strong and strong and big so he was good that they uh, made him the defenseman of the year and lucas raymond with frolunda so he he came back and and he's expecting he, he told us that he really um expects to make the red wings this year as a 19 year old and his general manager doesn't expect him back next season all things can change of course but i just i'm just curious about your thoughts on on the progression you saw of Lucas Raymond, yeah, uh, he's. I've been, I'm, I'm a good friend to him too, and I know him. Yeah, I knew him since some years back. So I just, he's no, he's a, he's a real skilled player, and just, just love to watch him. What would it mean if you were drafted by the Red Wings? What would that mean with the, you know, the rich history of all the Swedish players? What would that mean to you, uh, William, if you were drafted by Detroit? Yeah, just just cool just to be be drafted, but uh, Detroit is, has obviously a, a good history there too. William, thanks again for your time today on the podcast, talking a bit about your hockey history and preparing for the draft. Again, we appreciate your time talking to us about the Red Wings and their connection, and all the best for the draft coming up on July the 23rd. Thanks, William. Thank you. Our thanks again to William Eklund, who, as you heard, could possibly be a draft choice of the Red Wings in the NHL draft on July 23rd. And Ted, for the record, it's really difficult with these mock drafts, but you had William Eklund going six, number one, 
Buffalo Sabres, you have Owen Power, their defenseman from Michigan. Number two, Seattle taking another Michigan player, Matthew Beneers. Number three, Anaheim, perhaps taking a forward, like you said, with Edmonton's Dylan Gunther. Number four, New Jersey taking Luke Hughes, whose brother uh, Jack plays for the same team. And then number five, Columbus, you have them taking Simon Edmondson, the defenseman from Frolunda. So lots of possibilities there. But it sounds like if you take a few players off the board, right, with Power and Beneers and Hughes, it's a defensive-dominated draft that the Wings might have a shot, right, Ted, at Eklund, maybe Edmondson. Uh, other picks that you had up high were – Oh, Mark, I mean, I think we talk, we've talked about this before. I think – Two, two or three weeks out right now, I think there's so many different variables. I mean, I you hear a lot of chatter now that things might be interested in Mason McTavish, another mm-hmm. good, strong two-way forward. I've heard from other people, the goalie, Jesper Wallstedt from Sweden, very, very much in play. And it's like Steve Eiserman said at his end-of-the-season Zoom call, Mark, this is such a unique draft. I mean... Most of these kids played so little or none, no, very little hockey all season. I think opinions are all over the board. I really do. I and mean, you could, a kid who could be picked number five or six could be picked 20th or 15th. It's just amazing this year. And I don't know. I mean, there's several players for sure that could be there when the Wings pick at six that they'd be interested in. Eklund's one, but. I've heard many good things about McTavish as a strong two-way guy with a lot of character. Wallstat, um, Gunther's supposed to be a pure goal scorer. It'll be a it'll be a fun, intriguing draft, no question about it. In fact, Mason McTavish will be our guest on the next podcast, which will be before the uh, NHL draft. Let's wrap up with uh, Red Wings defenseman Mark Stahl. At the end of the season, he was asked about perhaps becoming a mentor of sorts to a defenseman like Marit Sider. And here's what he had to say. I don't know him at all. Um, I obviously have heard a bunch of good things over the, this last year. He's a, uh, a quite the player. So, yeah, I mean, I... I think my best fit is playing with, uh, you know, a skilled right-handed shot defenseman and where um, I can make them feel as comfortable as possible making plays and, and, and just being solid there for them and, and good positioning and communication, I think, is huge on the ice. Um, the more you talk, I think that's like the most underdeveloped skill you can have is, is, is talking and and. I try to do that as much as much as possible with whoever I'm playing with, and I think it helps more when you're playing with a young young defenseman trying to find his way. Ted, in your story on Stahl, you also mentioned that when he was first breaking into the league, he played with veterans like Michael Roosevelt and Paul Mara. What sort of things do you think Stahl could bring to the table if Sider makes the team, and then you have this right-hand shot, left-hand shot, and potentially maybe not a shutdown pairing, but certainly an interesting one for Red Wing fans to look forward to the upcoming season if Stahl signs and if Sider makes the team? Oh, Mark, let's face it. Mark Stahl's played a lot of games, a lot of years in the NHL. I think it'd be a nice fit. I mean, good, solid pair who plays – style would be a good compliment to Tyler. just as a sounding board too, Mark. I mean, sure. I think it'd, it'd be a fantastic duo in that regard. And Cider did some of that last season. I remember with young defensemen, 
he seems to have a, he seems to be a presence and we didn't we weren't in the locker room last year but everything what I've heard and from what some of the wings players have said in the interviews I was a great presence in the locker room I do I do get the sense there is some mutual interest I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if he returns and I think, I mean, as we've seen around the league, you, you need to have that veteran defenseman back there, especially when you have a young one like Cider coming up, and he'd be a good, he'd, you know, Stout would be a good one to groom him. Uh, they play similar games to an extent, but just the experience factor, I mean, he can really, I think he could help a guy like that on and off the ice. That'll do it for today's podcast, episode 57. For more Red Wings coverage, you can check out Ted's stories at DetroitNews.com. You'll also find us on our Octopulse Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram stories, and Snapchat. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We'll talk again before the NHL draft. (laughs) 